0: Tiffany, and you're listening to the Busy Bitch Podcast and Book Club. I'm a 20-something year old teacher that takes on way too much, but honestly, couldn't imagine life any other way. During COVID lockdown, I reconnected with my love of reading, but realized I have no one to talk to about these books. I read a bit of everything, so if you have almost no one to discuss books with, love to read, and read a wide variety of books, join me here, each and every how much more relaxed my week was compared to last week. I'm pretty sure last week I was just super stressed about finishing the book and you know what it's not a big deal at all but I did learn something. I learned to plan ahead and if I have a big work week coming up to take it easy on the reading. I am so glad I gave myself another week to finish Circe and, and really truly enjoy it so let's do this thing. Alright, we left off at the end of chapter 13 with 80s, leaving Cersei's island of Aea. Her island was never empty for a while after that because she essentially became the timeout corner for daughters that dared to find love with a mortal or were probably too opinionated because that's how life was back then. Women were property, items to be owned, traded, and borrowed. Fathers might want to see you if you were lucky, but he certainly didn't want to hear your thoughts. And This leads me to a conversation Hermes and Cersei are having. She's telling him that she wants all the nymphs gone. And he says, just be creative. Find a use for them. Take them to her bed. She says that they'd run screaming. And here, here is where this conversation takes a disturbing turn. Hermes says, nymphs always do, but I'll tell you a secret. They are terrible at getting away. I want that to soak in for a second. Because when I read that, I was shocked. Like, what the fuck, Hermes? For real. For some reason, I had it in my mind that you were a decent guy. Like, the Olympian God version of a class clown. I didn't think he went around raping nymphs. But you know, the more I thought about this, the more it kind of made sense. He is a product of rape. I mean, his father, Zeus, is like the ultimate master of rape. Not that that's something anyone should be good at, and it's definitely not anything to brag about, but it's true about Zeus. Cersei didn't respond well to Hermes' comment and she sent him away. She said that she does not want to see him again. And I think it's important to point out her verbiage because if there is one thing I have learned listening to Greek Myths podcasts and reading myths is that Gods are extremely literal and will find some loophole and what you say or or agree to so cersei's life went on and Aeaea's life went on as well the animals multiplied and eventually died except her lioness she somehow like siphoned off some of cersei's magical powers of an everlasting life and she aged quite slowly until one day No, poor lioness, she just didn't wake up and while this really doesn't have a huge significance to the storyline, other than it truly made Cersei feel lonely, I do have to bring it up because I was really sad that her lioness died and I wasn't even attached to the thing, but I imagine it's like losing a beloved dog or, or cat for you cat people out there and you feel empty and sad. So I felt like the lioness needed to be mentioned since, you know, she was with there for like a hundred years. That's insane. Alright. Later on, men started coming to her island in search of food, shelter, and supplies, I imagine. Of course. Some of them, probably many of them, want more than that and she gets raped. Because apparently, that's just what men did back then. So, She must have seen this coming because she puts herbs in her wine, but was caught off guard and couldn't cast the sleep spell in time. After she was raped, though, she did cast the spell. Using those same herbs, she turned the men into pigs. My mind blown. Can you believe that? Using the exact same combination of herbs, you can make someone go to sleep or turn them into a pig. Now, I can't be the only one who thinks that's a little bit crazy. What else can be done with those same herbs? Are the possibilities endless? One day, a ship came around and some men showed up at her door. They, too, turned into pigs. But their captain showed up a bit later and, well, let's just say they hit it off. That man was Odysseus. (sighs) Odysseus. She ended up turning the men back into, well, men and... They all lived on the island for some time. Her and Odysseus, they bonded and enjoyed each other's company in more way than a one, if you catch what I'm saying. But, alas, their time was coming to an end, and she sent him on his way, only to come back for a quick visit so she could help prepare him with, with warning for the rest of his way home. He left, but unknowingly, he left her with something precious. He left her with a child. Now, now, I know I just called this child precious, but damn, he put his mama through the ringer in those first few years. Thanks, Zeus, she didn't need food or water or sleep. Of course, him crying and being difficult couldn't be the only hurdle in their way. Oh, no. Athena wanted him dead. But the fates wouldn't allow it. Oh, those fates. They're such fickle bitches. So Cersei protected her son best she knew how, which meant she used her herbs and spells and did so each and every month. Talk about dedication. He eventually grows out of all of his whining and crying and fit throwing. I honestly don't know how she did it all by herself. I mean, there was no one else. No one else to help. Literally, just the two of them. I couldn't even imagine it. I don't even want to pretend to imagine it. All right. So you guys remember, you know, a few minutes ago when I said that gods are very literal. Yeah. Well, most would have taken her decree of never seeing Hermes again and wouldn't have returned to her island. But not him. He started hanging out with her son, Telagonus. Told you. I'm going to butcher these names. He helped him build a boat, and now he was ready to venture out on his own. He's what, like 16? Had never really even talked to other people? Never had a true friend? Or had to defend himself? This boy, because let's get this straight, he was indeed a boy. Was super naive about the world in general. And now, he wants to go find his dear old father. This is just a recipe for disaster. First off. No wife wants to see the face of her husband's bastard child. No son wants to see competition for his throne. And well, Odysseus, would he even want him around? Circe eventually tells him yes, because if we're honest, she spoils the heck out of that boy and gives him whatever the fuck he wants. But of course, she does her mama duty and protects him on his journey and casts protection spells on his boat and gets the the tail from the deep dark ocean which was pretty crazy by the way she is one strong mama that was determined to protect her baby any means necessary even when her baby isn't a baby no more she even tells him where to and where not to travel she really has thought it all out and planned out for most everything, well, except for what actually happened, Odysseus he was gone when he when he arrived, so Telegonus slept on his boat, just like his mama said to, you know, because the boat has protection spells, but his father arrived and thought he was like raiding his lands or something ridiculous, and he went after him. He touched that tail spear thingy and... Well, Odysseus died, even though it was barely a scrape. Penelope and Telemachus asked to join Telegonus on his trip back to Iaea, which he allows. Now, let's just talk about those names for a quick minute. They are very, very similar. When he was born, I thought it was so odd that she named him something so close to his half-brother. Like, why not name him after his father or something? But she does explain that his name has meaning. Telegonis means born far away. And I feel like that really is the most fitting name for him. Anyways, the four of them coexist on the island for a while. Things were rough between Telemachus and Penelope, and Telegonus was dealing with the fact that in his mind, he felt he was completely responsible for his father's death, which I guess he kind of was, but really it was Odysseus's fault. Circe shares stories of Odysseus with Telemachus, and Penelope teaches Telegonus how to swim. This... Dude has been living on an island his whole life and has never learned to swim? What the fuck? Just as things start looking up for this odd bunch, Hermes shows up with a message from none other than a- Athena. And it is agreed that if she swears an oath, she may visit the island in three days' time. This gives Penelope enough time to talk to her son. And, well, day three shows up. Circe drops that spell and immediately Athena's there and offers Telemachus um, land to rule over. He's a wise dude. He denies it, but Telegonus accepts. Circe, she's crushed, but she helps him onto the ship and wishes him luck. I mean, what else can she really do? After that, she asks her father to end her exile and takes a little trip of her own. She offers to have Penelope join and take her to Sparta. She declines, but Telemachus, he did accompany her. Now these two. They've got a strange, strange thing going on. I'm not sure what their relationship would be like on a family tree, but needless to say, I think we can call it complicated. So let's start off with the fact that she has had sex with his father. Not just once, but multiple times. Probably so many times they couldn't even keep count, right? Plus, you know, she's like super old. Like thousands of years old. And has a son that's kind of around his age. Oh, and that son, that's his brother. Now, I know, I know, Circe and Telemachus, they don't have any blood relations, so I guess in a sense it's not that weird, but I feel like I should just make the blanket statement saying you shouldn't even think about having a romantic relationship with your son's brother. Okay, okay, back to the story now. Thankfully, Telemachus did come with Cersei, or else, I don't think she would have made it past Scylla. And back on her island, while she was milking those flowers she uh, brought with her, she's telling us, like, her hopes and dreams for the future, a future filled with love and children, girls specifically. Growing old and dying and being led down the the great halls of death, she hopes for a very happy future for herself and Telemachus' sin. Even dared to, you know, bring their children back to Ayaya so they could visit their grandmother, which I think is weird. Like, this woman slept with your husband and now with your son. I don't know if Penelope would have been okay with that. Regardless, this, this is what she hopes for. And we are left right there with her bringing the bowl to her mouth and drinking. So what do you think happened? Do you think some version of her hopes and dreams came true? Or did she turn into a monster like Skilla? There's really just so many options. Me, I think that she drank it And turn into a human and she's looking back at this whole book as a as a retelling of her life maybe she's telling her children or even grandbabies and got to that point and just stopped maybe her next line was kind of boring and said and then I was a human and started having scars too to tell my history which by the way I think that section earlier in the book is absolutely beautiful, how she relates our scars and marks on our hands and bodies to our history. And after a bit of thinking, I feel like she's so right. My scar across my stomach that runs into my belly button is the story of me ironing for the very first time. It didn't go well. I have a surgery scar on my knee and a slash that goes down my middle finger deep into my palm from climbing a barbed wire fence when I was in high school. I have scars on my upper forearm from one of my dogs when he was a pup. It's really the only thing I have left of him. So yes, our scars are our history. Through them, we tell our story because of that, I will always love each and every one of my scars. Even those annoying ones from when I had the chicken pox. So this is your challenge. Share on Instagram or Facebook a text out to your family or friends. What scar or scars do you have that tell a story? Go do it, do it. So I have been dearly missing my sexy books and I'm ready to dive back in. I've been debating on which author to read or... Should we go back and read another one of Maya Banks's books? But I feel like we should spread out her books, even though I don't want to spread them out. All this to say, I did some book cover shopping at the local bookstore. I wore my mask, by the way. And found a cover entitled, Caught My Eye. It's Alpha by Jacinda Wilder. And as a disclaimer, I haven't never heard of her or any of her books before. I only know there is more to the series because I saw it at the bookstore. So this is a complete shoot in the dark. And I'm sorry if this turns out to be really crappy. But because I don't know if she's truly worth reading, I'm going to err on the side of caution and not declare that we're going to read the entire series. We'll wait to make that call, but I do hope you'll join me next week to to talk about what we love and possibly hated about Alpha by Jacinda Wilder. Oh, and don't forget, you can reach out by email, busybitchpodcast at gmail.com. That's busybitch without the I, podcast at gmail.com, or Instagram, busybitchpod. And until next time, happy reading! the podcast and podcast image was created recorded and edited by me tiffany music is voxel revolution by kevin McLloyd.